0: and then just kind of set it in your lap for a little while. We will get to our text, but it will be how we conclude the message rather than how we begin. We are, as you see, discussing the teen ministry. Some may question the validity or the necessity, the purpose of a teen ministry? Is, is it, is it vital? Is it necessary? Is it something we should put money into, time into, people, energy into? And I want to try to answer some of those questions tonight kind of from... Coming at it from the back door. And I'll show you what I mean by that. Our desire. Is for what you saw and heard tonight. To continue. Until these kids go to heaven. Not necessarily that they go to camp every summer. But that they continue to grow. And let the word of God. Make a difference in their lives. They are the church when you're gone. The problem is, one of the problems is, many, and I'm not just saying ours, I'm saying in general, teens are leaving church. And when I say leave, I mean abandoning. The fact is, we need to ask the question, why Are teens leaving church? Why are they? What is causing the mass exodus? And you say, is it really as bad as you're making it sound? Well, if it was only one, it would be bad. Studies have been done. And let me just kind of go through with you the latest of the statistics that we know of. In general, when teens graduate from high school, 70% of them leave church. Now, some do come back. Some do come back. But in general, from studies that have been done, 70% leave. Now, there are some statistics that tell us maybe half of those do come back to church, and that's tremendous, that half come back. But you know what that means? That means half didn't. 35% are gone. Now, I think there's numbers of reasons for that. I think we we could talk about different reasons. I think we could talk about uh, situations, and and obviously kids... hearts of young people and, and hearts of adults and, 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 and those kinds of things. But I think if we want to boil it down to really one major reason that young people are leaving church today, some never coming back, and it's simply this. They don't need it. Need what? Church. Church. They don't need church. Some of them along the way have picked up the message that church is simply a place to learn life application principles. To be more successful in life. Or to be better in the community. You know what? They can learn that at a Tony Robbins motivational uh, conference. If you don't know who Tony Robbins is, please don't Google it. All right? They can learn how to be better citizens in life application principles anywhere. Why, some would say, should I get up early on Sunday morning and go to a place where I am simply entertained in a way that I could find on Saturday night? One, one writer that uh, I was... One article that I read... Uh, he simply said, one of the reasons that teens are leaving the church and many of them never coming back is because the church has become too relevant. For a long time, that was a buzzword. The church needs to be relevant. To make the church relevant, we made the church like the world in many ways. And now kids are saying, well, I, I, I can just go to the world and get what the church has given me. We've jettisoned the gospel for pizza parties. And I'm certainly not saying I don't like pizza parties, but you understand me. Sometimes our kids never are taught, they are never taught the true impact of sin on their lives because everything has been made fun for them. We traded a historic, objective, faithful gospel based on God's grace toward us for a modern, subjective, pragmatic, gospel-based, success-filled life. And by gospel-based, I don't mean in a good way there. I mean we've used those terms and terminologies to make it sound Christian. So rather than being faithful to the fully simplicity of the gospel And to the foolishness of the cross. We set our goal for our kids. On being successful. Being good. Rather than being godly. Now I'm not sure that all the teens who leave and never come back. Intended to do that. And what I mean by that is. Is they didn't they didn't have a rebellious heart so so to serve, outwardly rebellious heart they weren't defiant they weren't in their parents' faces or their pastor youth pastors' faces it, it may have been that they simply along the way started that slow process of pulling away by the way teens aren't the only ones who do that. So they stopped seeing the importance of church to their life and they stopped seeing how important they are to the church. You see, I'm convinced that one of the reasons young people and teens may get the idea that they don't need church Is because we give them the idea that we don't need them. So what can we do? Let's talk about ways to make teenagers need church. What makes a teen need church? Now, I probably should just ask the guys to answer the questions for me, but Maybe, maybe they can, <clears throat> can help me and make sure that I, I give the right answers, all right? So you guys are listening carefully, I'm glad. There tends to be, again, statistics, studies, and these are things I'm borrowing brains here, all right, which I normally would do anyway, four primary reasons kids stay in church or kids understand, grow, to learn why they need church. These are not an indictment on anyone. These are not to meant these are not meant to shame anyone, pull skeletons out of anyone's closet. Please understand I'm presenting information to try to help all of us. First of all, teens need church when they want the church to help guide their decisions in everyday life. And that's generally prior to the age of 18. When they see church, when they see church as a place where they can go, let's say it this way, and get life answers. Not about how to be successful, but how to be godly. Okay? Life questions. What kind of questions are we talking about? We're talking about the kinds of questions that you and I used to only talk about in private. They're they're, they're now on Facebook talking about pregnancy, abortion, drugs, alcohol, homosexuality, alternative lifestyles. Those are the lifestyle questions kids are asking about today. It's not just about rock and roll music. Is Elvis sin? These kids don't even know who Elvis is. (laughs) We ought to have Bible answers for those kinds of questions, folks. Because if we don't offer Bible answers, you know what? There are other people who can give them unbiblical answers that make sense and sound good and are popular and are they fit more into the culture than the Bible answer does? So prior to age 18, it is important that we deal with life from a biblical viewpoint. A biblical <laughs> world view. What's another? And again, please let me explain a little bit about... I guess that one didn't come up, did it? They wanted the church to help guide the decisions for everyday life. Number two, they come from situations where parents are still married to each other and both parents attend church. Now, obviously... This is the ideal. Obviously, in some cases, in many cases, this is not going to even be possible because parents are already divorced. There's death that takes a parent. But ideally, parents who are married to each other and both attend church. So let's take that ideal and filter it down to a livable, workable solution now. If both parents are still married to each other, they ought to be in church. Teens, let me rephrase it. We teach By our example. If church is not important to mom and dad. Why do we think it would be important to the young people? And can I say. Grandparents if you're involved in the lives of your young people. This applies to us as well. I want you to understand, too, that what I'm going through here, our statistics, our principles, these things do not guarantee that any child is going to turn out to be right and godly, but these tend to help, all right? I guess what I want to point out about this particular principle is not so much the, the marriage issue, although I think that's important. I think the primary issue here is parents bring your kids to church. Don't send them. Don't take them and drop them off. Bring them and be involved in what's going on with your kids at church. Now the next one applies to me. Pastors' sermons were relevant to their lives. Simply meaning, I'm helping to answer, or their teachers are helping to answer some of those life questions from biblical perspectives. We're taking the Bible and not making the Bible say something it doesn't. But certainly applying the Bible in ways that it should be and can be applied to today's way of life. I do want you to know something about my preparation. And I am, and, and I've, I've admitted this to you before, and I still, the greatest weakness I believe that I have in my preaching is application. I think that's I think that's one of the biggest weaknesses of my preaching. What I do I do think about you and lives and what's going on in the world when I'm <coughs> preparing sermons. One one writer actually calls it the fallen creature focus. I try to I try to see the Bible through your eyes. I try to see Bible principles through your focus, your filters. And I do that with our teenagers. I try to see life today, the Bible, filtered through their life and try to make application that way. If you are responsible for teaching our young people let me encourage you to do the same thing. Now I'm going to break up on this next one, I promise. And out of this whole list, number two and number four may, for me, may be the most important. Not that the others aren't, but number two parents and number four other people. At least one adult from church made a significant investment in me personally and spiritually. That's what kids who stay in church say. Those who are between the ages of 15 and 18. I'm just curious. How many of you had somebody like that in your life? we're all all in the teen ministry. Not as participants necessarily, but as teachers. Every one of us teaches our teenagers something. Did you know that? Every one of you teaches our teenagers something. Every one of us. Some of us, the lesson might not be what we really ought to be teaching. But are you making a significant investment in the lives of any of our children or young teenagers? Again, I'm not saying that just because you do this, every teenager is going to turn out to live for God. But I think I can say this. If you don't do this, you will give an account to God for it. Why? Because God put you here, and God put them here, and we're supposed to be the adults. We're supposed to be the ones to help the younger believers come along and grow in their Christian life. Which means we need to be growing. So, there are your four primary reasons teens themselves say they stay in church. So, here's the question (laughs) What do we do now? What do we do now? I love this quote. I came across this quote. If your student ministry is a four-year holding tank with pizza, don't expect young adults to stick around. If, however, they see biblical teaching as relevant, to see the church as essential to the decisions they stay. Can I tell you, and just let me just say with an exclamation point, underlined, italicized, biggest font I can. Our team ministry is not about entertaining them. It's about evangelizing and edifying them. Now, can they have fun along the way? Just absolutely, just like the rest of us. We want our teams to enjoy God. We want to teach them how to do that. But we don't want to just entertain them, make them or give them a smokescreen view of life that all my problems go away if I just go to youth group. Because that's not true. It's not reality. So what do we need to do? And, and, And essentially what I'm about to share with you is how I would like for us to approach teen ministry. We already do much of this. But how you can be more involved, not just as parents of teens, but as people who know teens. Uh, uh, Being in the community, the Miranatha community with teenagers, this, this is how you and I can help. What now? First of all, disciple, disciple, disciple. What does that mean? That means do the great commission with our teenagers. That's what it means. Do the great commission with our teenagers. And that's not just for Ben and Mandy and Drew and Julie. And that's not just for anybody else who would come in and work with our young people. That's for everybody in this building. Disciple teens. Now if you have teens living in your home... You ought to be doing more discipling than anybody at church is doing with your team. You say, well then why do we have a team ministry? To reinforce what you're already doing. That's why. The team ministry is about coming alongside godly parents and godly people who are involved in the lives of teenagers and reinforcing the What's already being taught and exemplified for them at home and at church. So disciple, disciple, disciple. Secondly, have a home with committed Christian parents. Have a home with committed Christian parents. One statistic. I came across says this. 74% of married couples who were both believers and active in their church also had kids who were believers and active in their church. Now the fact is, folks, for many years of my life I was reared in a single-parent home. And it was while... I lived, we lived in that situation that I was introduced to Jesus. So, yes, ideally, mom and dad are both committed to Christ and committed to church like they ought to. And by the way, I think that's kind of synonymous. If you're committed to Christ, you're committed to church. You really can't be, you shouldn't be one or the other. But mom, if you're trying to do this by yourself, please don't, please don't think you're failing. If you don't have a man, or if you're a man who's doing this on your own, don't think you're, you're failing just because there's not another spouse in the house. We want godly parents married or single. And we want committed parents. Parents committed to Christ. This next principle goes along with something you hear me say all the time. Christian growth is a what? Community project. Please recognize that it takes a church to raise a committed young adult. It takes church. Yes, parents. But church is involved in that process. And let me let me say along those lines parents please get other people involved in your kids lives please trust other people to help your kids now i'm not saying just throw them out there like lion, lambs to the slaughter but our kids need to learn from other people besides just us. This is where pastors and youth workers and volunteers and people who invest in young people's lives comes in. It's so important. So there you have three principles for the church, parents, in our responsibility as all being in the youth ministry. And I want to talk to the teenagers and everybody else you can listen to, that does apply to you too. But let's all look at Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8 now. Of course, let me just kind of remind you of what the setting is. Daniel, along with Azariah, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, have been taken from their homeland. They are captives in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar, Jerusalem. Israel has been conquered. And many like these four young men who show potential and and have been educated and, and can be leaders, have been taken to Babylon to be trained up to be good Babylonian citizens. <laughs> Essentially, what, is, what, what would happen is Jews would be taken to Babylon and be made Babylonians rather than Jews. Now, some never forgot, Obviously who they really were. They were the people of God as these four young men had did as well. So they've been taken, they've been selected as part of a particular group. They've, they've had uh, someone set over them. Melzar has been given responsibility for these young men to, to provide their food, to provide for their education and one of the things that they would do that the Babylonians would do to try to extinguish the Jewishness of these people is to give them food which the law said they should not eat to provide sustenance meals that they, by law, were not supposed to take part in. So Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah refused. <clears throat> Why? It was because of a decision they made long before they ever became captains. Look at verse number 8. Daniel purposed... In his heart, that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs, Melzars, who that is, that he might not defile himself. See, I don't think this is a a decision that these young men made on the spies. When the food came and sat before them, I don't think they looked at each other and said, you know what, We we can't do this. I think before the food ever came out, before they ever became captives, before their hands were ever tied behind their back, before they were ever taken into custody, they had already determined as young men, they were not going to defile themselves even if it meant standing against a king who was the most powerful king on earth by this time, they were not going to be defiled. The word uh, purpose here, the word purpose means they gave themselves over to this conviction. They gave over, they set their minds on this truth. They were committed to God. Now look, we've talked about reasons teens leave church, and we've talked about ways that you and all, all of us can be involved in young people's lives to help them stay in church. But young people, listen to me. You purpose in your heart, no matter what mom and dad do, no matter what happens at church, no matter what happens in our world, you are going to be godly. I promise you this, people will fail you. I hate to say it, but they will. But you can't blame that on not living for God. Parents will. Preachers will. But you can't blame that for not living for God. And I would say to the rest of us, as we talked about these different principles and these different things, you know what you and I need to do? We need to purpose in our heart that we are going to do battle royal for the lives of our young people. We will pray, we will we will disciple, we will rebuke when necessary, out of love and kindness and grace. But we refuse to go down fighting when we see we're losing a generation. And they're never coming back. Purpose in your heart. Let's pray.